This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 31st, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. It's your right to attempt to influence your government, but to what extent can government burden your exercise of that right? Many people who engage in state-level advocacy in Alabama can find themselves guilty of a felony unless they're willing to travel to Birmingham and take a specific ethics course. Paul Sherman with the Institute for Justice is challenging that requirement. We spoke today. Among the rights enshrined in the First Amendment, it is the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Uh, We can appropriately think of uh, lobbyists as intermediaries in the redress of grievances. So what has Alabama done to uh, deal with the problem, quote unquote, of people trying to influence their government? Well, lots of states regulate lobbyists and subject them to some kind of registration or reporting requirement. But Alabama has imposed a burden that is unique and uniquely burdensome. Uh, Alabama has an exceptionally broad definition of lobbying. And if you are considered a lobbyist in Alabama, you are required to physically travel to Alabama, to Montgomery, to take an ethics class that is offered only four times a year and only in Montgomery, Alabama. All right. So this is from uh, the opinion written to Maggie Ellinger Locke, who is a local. She lives in the Washington, D.C. area and works for the Marijuana Policy Project. Judge Jerry Fielding of the Alabama Ethics Commission wrote to her, an individual whose job responsibilities include either for compensation or a regular and usual part of employment, the practice of promoting, opposing, or in any manner influencing or attempting to influence the introduction, defeat, or enactment of legislation before any legislative body is considered to be lobbying and must register within 10 days of first undertaking the lobbying activity. So promoting, and I mean, that's, that seems really broad. You're not even necessarily talking directly to people in the legislature. Yeah, that's that's correct. Many lobbying regulations cover what's called grassroots lobbying. That's when you, instead of talking to legislators directly, you talk to members of the public and urge them to contact their legislators. So as you can tell from the language, it's an extremely broad law, and it captures all kinds of people who you would not typically think of as being lobbyists. When you hear the word lobbyist, I think most people think of you know, Washington, D.C. insiders, hired guns, you know, people who work for big business. You know, Maggie works for the Marijuana Policy Project and you know, basically she's just promoting what she sees as more sane and humane and just policy regarding the regulation of marijuana. And she's responsible for covering 11 states. One of those is Alabama. Um, because she gets paid to talk to legislators and elected officials about these policy issues, if she makes even a single phone call or sends even a single email to an elected official in Alabama about proposed legislation, potential legislation, she's got to register with the government and then she has to fly down to Alabama to take this ethics class. And that's the other part of this is that there's an ethics class that is offered four times a year to people who are 
engaged in this broad definition of lobbying and they have to be physically in Montgomery in order to do it. That's right. Maggie submitted an advisory opinion request to the Alabama Ethics Commission to say, you know, look, I live in Arlington, Virginia. I work in Washington, D.C. Can I get some kind of accommodation here? Can I be exempt from the class? Can I watch the class online? And they responded, absolutely not. You have to come to Montgomery and take this class. And the the real uh, outrageous aspect of this is that lobbyists are not the only people who are required to take ethics training in Alabama. A number of elected officials are, a number of government employees are, but those people are allowed to take their ethics training online. And in fact, for government employees, if you don't have access to the internet, you can contact the Ethics Commission and they'll send you a DVD of the training so that you can watch it. But if you're, quote unquote, a lobbyist like Maggie Ellinger Locke is, you have to physically travel to the state. I mean, that's that's outrageous. It's a huge burden on the right, a core First Amendment right, to talk to elected officials. I'm trying to think about this weird sort of travel requirement in other contexts. And what comes to mind is the wine cases a while back where essentially in order to purchase wine from an, a winery that was out of state, you had to physically visit the winery. You had to let them scan your ID to prove that you've been there. And then you could begin ordering products from out of state. And it is a unique burden on people who are not already a part of some particular community, in this case, the government of Montgomery. That's exactly right. You know, some, something that's sort of written throughout the Constitution is this idea that states cannot treat out-of-staters fundamentally worse than their own citizens. Um, and so it's much less burdensome if you live in Alabama to comply with this requirement. If you're someone like Maggie, it can be cost prohibitive. And imagine if every state enacted policies like this. A group like the Marijuana Policy Project could easily end up spending tens of thousands of dollars, losing hundreds of hours of employee time, sending people around the country to take these sorts of ethics classes. What, I guess, is the thinking behind requiring, one, a class, and two, requiring that you physically be present for it? Is there some sort of public rationale for doing it that way? You know, if, if there is a public rationale, the Ethics Commission hasn't made it clear. You know, it's certainly understandable that if a state regulates lobbying, they want to make sure that people comply with those regulations. But under the First Amendment, what we ask is, has the government regulated in the least burdensome way possible? And here, the state has obvious, less burdensome alternatives. There's no reason to believe that these classes are necessary in the first place. Most states do not require this kind of training for lobbyists, and there's absolutely no reason to require someone to travel hundreds of miles and spend hundreds or even over $1,000 to take this kind of class. What do other states do that is uh, objectionable with respect to regulating the attempt of groups, essentially, to speak to their government? So, well, lobbying regulation is extremely widespread, um, and it has been for a long time. And one of the big problems is that the thresholds for registration with the government are often very low. Uh, it captures all kinds of people who we don't think of as the traditional sort of hired gun lobbyists. Although I should stress that, that even the most stereotypical lobbyist, the person who's working for big business, those people have a First Amendment right 
to talk to the government. And if the government is going to burden that right, it should have to come forward with real evidence that the laws are tailored to address real problems. So in the situation like Maggie faces, the government obviously can't meet that burden. And, and big business, quite frankly, if you look at a from a regulatory model, it might make sense for big business to endorse some kind of requirement like this because perhaps their opponents on the other side of an issue might be a small group of people who otherwise who might not be able to afford to comply and uh, the lobbyists who work for larger firms could easily comply with the requirements. Absolutely. And, and th you know, this is in many ways analogous to sort of campaign finance regulation where it's the, the insiders and the well-established groups, they're always going to be able to afford the, the lawyers and the legal help necessary to comply with these laws. Uh, but nonprofits, small community groups that have a limited budget, they're the ones who really get caught up in these laws and have trouble speaking. So what are you asking Alabama to do? Well, quite simply, we're asking the court to strike down the training requirement for lobbyists in Alabama. There's absolutely no reason to think that it's necessary. And we filed a preliminary injunction, a motion for preliminary injunction, asking the court to halt the law immediately so that Maggie and the Marijuana Policy Project can start talking with Alabama legislators right now about ways that their marijuana policy could be improved. Paul Sherman is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.